You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey. How you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. We're coming up on the holidays. Yeah, lots going on. We do have a lot going on. So before we dive in, because we're going to be talking about common fights that couples and even siblings and families have and how to maybe have fewer of those fights or fight fair and resolve them. And I think I'd like to chat a little about common holiday fights. Before we do, big thank you to Desire Resorts and Cruises for their ongoing support of this podcast. Be sure to check them out at Desire Experience. Now joining us today is Dr. Rachel Needle, who is a sex therapist, a psychologist. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your organization. Sure. So thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, As you said, I'm a licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist. I'm in private practice and run a group called the Whole Health Psychological Center in West Palm Beach, Florida. I also am co-director of Modern Sex Therapy Institute. So we um, do continuing education and certify sex therapists around the world. Um, So very excited to be here. Yes, and so I'm doing some work with Modern Sex Therapy Institutes coming up in March. Can't wait. Of 2020 in West Palm Beach. Not a bad place to be in March. I think Brendan will probably come down and join me. Cause, Excellent. Because it's cold in Toronto at that time. And then we'll be in New York City in May. And so if you are a sex therapist or a counselor, even educators or just enthusiasts, they come and attend these clinical trainings on a wide range of topics, including some of the most common issues you'll face in sex therapy. And we're, we're also going to be talking about the business of sex therapy, sex education, and sex counseling, because that's sort of my background. Yeah, and something that a lot of people don't talk about and don't learn anything about, right? How to build a business um, as a therapist and, and specifically as a sex therapist. So uh, I think that's going to be a really well-received one. Yeah, excited to, to be joining forces. So you're here today because you've got the expertise on fighting, what do couples come to you fighting about? What are the most common issues? I was going to say, what a thing to have an expertise on fighting. <laughs> you are the fighting expert now. So uh, we had an argument last night, and we want to turn it into a therapy session today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I Surprise! Wish <laughs> I wish we did. What am I... I- I don't think we... Did we get into an argument last night? No, but he did take my key lime pie and put it in a Ziploc bag after I made it into this beautiful beast of a pie. And I was like, why would he destroy my artwork? This is real. The struggle is real. (laughs) I was cleaning up last night and someone kind of looked over and said, did you put the key lime pie in a plastic bag and put it away? And I I was like, yes, I did. Thank you. You know, thinking like, yeah, I did do that. You're welcome. And it was uh, actually... It wasn't. It. I didn't do a very good job in the presentation of storing the pie. Okay, so yesterday I cooked up a storm. I made a, <laughs> a lemon cake that was beautifully decorated, a key lime pie, hand-rolled truffles. So those are going to be the feature images of this podcast. You're going to need to go check them out because I'm a little bit proud of my handiwork. I'm not a crafty person, but I'm crafty in the kitchen. So you're going to have to, wherever you listen to this podcast, head on over to sexwithdrjess.com or our Instagram profile because I'm going to be posting those pictures. They were really, I will like totally credit to you they were beautiful. The truffles, the cake, 
and subsequently my storage of the key lime pie. <laughs> we should add a photo of that. Well, I imagine oftentimes it's these type of innocuous things. Now, I wasn't actually pissed about the pie because people had already eaten it. Now, if you'd done that before the guests arrived, I <laughs> sure. would have been pissed. But it, it is oftentimes these you know, tiny little issues that can lead to big fights. But what do couples present with when they arrive? Because sometimes they tell you they're fighting about one thing, but it can be something else altogether. Absolutely. Well, the general topics, I think, that are the most common fights that couples have in general are money, sex, se- money, sex, technology, and time. Mm-hmm. I want to say that's probably the foremost that I see in my office and that I hear from even friends, colleagues, etc. Um, so specifically over the holidays, I mean, we can add in there, obviously, families, and um, but all of those other things still stand, right, just in different ways. And so when you think money, sex, time, technology... I'm sure people realize that if you want to not, if you want to lessen these fights, you you know, have fewer fights or attenuate the effects of these fights, you have to talk about these issues. Absolutely. Before the issues arrive. And I think that's one of the biggest issues is that people don't, don't know how to communicate about them. I mean, especially in relationships where communication isn't great anyway, communicating about these bigger issues becomes even more challenging. So that's often what fuels the the fighter argument is that the way that we're communicating about it is just, you know, in in turn, pushing the person away. Um, So if we have to talk about money, how do we begin to get out of our own heads, because I think oftentimes we come with these personal values, familial values, cultural values, political values even around money. And so we think that our way is the right way. And so folks who listen regularly know that I'm not going to ask you to attack your partner or change your partner. I'm going to ask you to begin with yourself. So how do we begin with ourselves to say, all right, I got my own issues around money. Even though I think my way is the right way, how can I learn to budge a little bit more? So I think first you have to, like you said, start with yourself. Understand what your money conversations are because we all have our beliefs and and conversations around money that started from when we were way younger, right? From messages we got, from things that were said to us um, or or even modeled to us. Um, So we have to understand that about ourselves first. And then we have to realize that our partner's conversations are going to be very different. Um, So the way that we you know, spend money, uh, share money, um, you know, the kind of debt that we're in. Those are things that we have to talk about and we have to be willing to say, okay, it's not always going to be the way that I want it to be. How can we find this middle ground about what we're we're each comfortable with and make that okay? Actually, money is something that we have struggled with because our values have always been a little bit different. I was just going to say that's something that, that, you know, we do get into discussions or arguments about. Mm -hmm. And we do. We argue. I think people have this idea that we don't get into arguments or fights Mm -hmm. and we do. And I had this, um, I, I brought to the table, what I brought to this relationship <laughs> was a wonderful uh, preconceived idea of how to argue and how to fight. Yeah. And over the last 19 years, I've had to learn to deconstruct that. And it's taken me a long time. But when we talk about bringing things to, um, you know, and analyzing how you fight, how do you even start? Like, how do you begin to say, whoa, maybe I'm not fighting fairly? Because, again, I used to do that. My default was get into an argument, get defensive, blow a gasket, and then 30 minutes later realize that maybe I didn't do things <laughs> the way I should have right. to communicate effectively and to resolve the problem and then apologize and then have a rational conversation. Now what I'm finding is I don't do that as much. 
I start by taking a few deep breaths, you know, thinking and listening to what the other person has to say, not taking it personally, and then trying to move forward from like a, a rational perspective. So, I mean, you're kind of looking at me. Would you agree that that is how I think that's how we argue now? Yeah, no, you don't blow gaskets like you used to because you used to have this vein in your forehead that would yeah. come out more often. <laughs> you can kind of see it sitting there right now. Do you not see it? Yeah, okay, it, I see it, the it, vein. Po- it pops okay. out right in the middle of my forehead and it comes down. <laughs> So, so you're saying, Brendan, that you take a few deep breaths, that you remind yourself that you have this tendency to blow up because then it reduces the chances that that will happen. What, what, what other strategies can people employ? Well, first I want to touch on, I, I love that you, you know, said, you know, even we argue, right? Because people have this idea of how other people's relationships are, right? You never know till you're in them, but everybody does, right? All couples have disagreements, if you want to call them that, arguments, fights, whatever. It's the way that we do that that makes all the difference in the world. If you do it respectfully, if you if you continue to challenge yourself and try to figure out, you know, how can I do things differently? So start with yourself. Use I statements always, right? When you make it about the other person, you, 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 you. First of all, it's going to get, first of all, it's not accurate, right? Because it's <laughs> 90% about us, 10% really about the other person. You know, secondly, it, it's not going to go very far because the other person's likely going to get defensive or something's going to come up and a wall will likely come up. Um, So start with talking about yourself, using I statements, taking a couple deep breaths, recognizing when it's when things are escalating or there's more emotion there might be a point in time at which point it's not productive where you might have to say you know what we're gonna let's take 10 minutes I'm gonna go for a walk in 10 minutes I'll be back and then let's finish this conversation so that you can kind of organize your thoughts in a more rational you know way be less emotional and have a more productive conversation than if you're sitting in that emotion and not able to contain it I appreciate the permission to take a break because as someone who wants to resolve everything right away and you know I'm a problem solver or I see myself as a problem solver but I'm really exacerbating the problem it can be really difficult if he says he needs a few minutes and so I like that you say I need 10 minutes or I need two hours or or I even need until morning because it's easy for the other person to say like oh you don't want to engage and you can respond with yeah I do want to engage I'm just not in the right headspace to engage but I do want to engage in an hour, in three hours, in 10 minutes, whatever that, that time period may be. That time is, is great. I would agree because I think that there's a power element to saying, I don't want to talk about this right mm-hmm. now. Whereas in an argument, when you're in the midst of, when you're in the throes of passion and- <laughs> Not the good kind. Not the good kind, <laughs> yes. But when you are really emotional and you say, I don't want to talk about this right now, it sends a message. Whereas saying- I do want to talk about this, but I need five minutes or 10 minutes, meaning I'm going to come back to this. I just need to simmer down a little bit. And for me, that's my, that's my thing. Like I might need to step away for a few minutes. Just uh, once that heart rate starts elevating for me and the blood does not rush to the brain properly (laughs) and I start saying things that I'm going to have to uh, you know, take back or say, you know what? I was wrong for saying that before I get to that point, I can say, just give me a few minutes. And then we circle back. And when we talk about money, I think money was, you know, sometimes a trigger for you in the past. It, it definitely was. Maybe um, still, I don't know. I think it, I don't know that it still is the way that it was before, but we grew up very, not not tremendously differently, but very differently. And I, I, I do think that money is something that we've had to have discussions about. It's interesting because I come from a background where... <laughs> 
financial literacy was our second language. So my, my dad sat me down when I was probably six years old and taught me what an RRSP was. So that's our version of your 401k okay. in the States. Uh, you know, my dad loved to teach me numbers. He taught me to convert numbers from Fahrenheit to Celsius, divide and multiply by nine fifths. Wow. You learned um, how to count, yeah. like track bowling scores oh when you gosh. were like five. I was going to a bowling game when I was like five or six years old for a birthday party. You know, the type where they have a bumpers in the lane and everybody wins. My dad had to show me how you carry over the next two balls if you get a strike and the next singular ball if you get a spare. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like he loves numbers. So so really, um, we didn't. it's not that we had a ton of money, but my parents were careful. Uh, part of the Chinese side is that you you don't go into debt except for per- perhaps to buy to buy a home, obviously. And so you come from a very different background. Yeah, and my parents did emphasize saving for you. That, that, well, <laughs> yes, f- f- for me and for them. For, for them, there's different ways of spending money, <laughs> but they did emphasize saving, and I remember that from a, a kid. But there that was it was just like you should save money or you should save half of what you make um but getting into the habit of doing that and also when there's different modeled behavior uh you know things are different yeah and i think it can be a challenge too when uh, money is an interesting one to me because i think if you can ask yourself the question what are you afraid of what is the fear that underlies this argument, your perspective, digging in? Because, Brendan, you have some, you know, an underlying fear with money. I do, yeah. This is the Brandon show, and we just talk about <laughs> Brandon's fears and uh, insecurities. And you know what? I'm an open Learning book. so much. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you know, don't judge me. But Never. I do come with this fear of running out or shortage. And, you know, thankfully, over the last number of years, business has been great. Everything is is great okay but there is still this incessant continual fear of not having and it's not because i need you know to be blinged out 24 7 actually quite the contrary oftentimes i find myself afraid of what if i need to pay for this for someone or Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me or for jess what if this happens what if that happens so it's a hoarding mentality <laughs> excuse me it's a hoarding mentality to prepare for the worst so now you're you're getting a little bit more insight into sure. how i how i act and how i you know how i think and that in a financial from a financial perspective can make it very different when you're with a partner who is very giving, who's very like, let's entertain. For instance, last night, we entertained for your family 25 of, of people. 25 people. So there was food and champagne. drinks and champagne and bubbles galore. And I enjoy it. I do. But I've had to learn to take a little bit over the years from her. And actually, just now is the one who's saying, you know what? You've worked hard. We're in a good spot. You can. You should go and buy this. And I feel like you need to call me out because I feel like I lobbed it up there. Like I put it on a T-ball and said, hey, babe, here's your financial issue. I think you should maybe call me out on maybe what mine were or what they are. Yeah, I mean, listen. Cluelessness. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't at all say that it was cluelessness. I think that it was very much a joie de vivre where you were kind of like, we need to live for the now. And there may not be a tomorrow or a two years or 10 years from now. So let's enjoy a little bit of what we have today. So you can see how we're very different in that respect and how that it can result in arguments over money. And it's for me, it's it's really a sensitive point. And I do think that some of our financial investments and decisions 
have reinforced my my perspective. It's like, look what we've been able to do as a result of, of my Brandon. conservative <laughs> nature. Well, I mean, we've made some we've made some tremendous investments, and we've been. I like to attribute that to my more conservative approach. So you can see how you can see how this a little bit from her perspective, a little bit from my perspective has resulted in a nice middle ground. But initially there were some arguments about this. Doctor, what do you have to say? <laughs> so, so please. I gotta go. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, I think it's amazing how you have this insight, right? You've gotten to know each other and yourselves in a way that you can talk about these things. And that's one of the things in terms of tangibles, like what else can you do? Listen, right? When you're talking, I don't see, Jess, you're not waiting to respond or waiting to add or, you know, and that's what a lot of people do when, not even just during arguments, but in conversation, right? You hear something all of a sudden you don't hear anything else, right? So with your partner especially, listen. When you communicate, truly hear what they're saying and under try to understand from their perspective as opposed to then just trying to respond. So I think you're, you the, demonstrate that as you talk about a really difficult topic. Yeah, the art of listening is one that I have not mastered, you, but the importance of it. No, no, no. I, I do find that I'm making more of an effort to listen, but I'm trying to listen with purpose. Listen almost yes. mindfully where... I'm trying to absorb rather than just get ready to respond because I, I do that. You're really good at that. So I, I've said this before. Brandon is able to look at him and look at himself and say, here's something I can work on and actually work on it. I'm more just doling out advice. It's just, <laughs> no, I need to do better. It's just the way I look when I'm listening. People <laughs> think I'm very much listening to what, no, I, I do, I do actively listen. Yeah, I do keep the vein. I actively listen. So when we think about money and the holidays coming up, obviously this can be a stressful time. If you're, if you're North American, there's a tendency to overspend. There's stress about spending. I mean, I can tell you what I'm doing this year. So even the kids aren't getting presents in my family. I, I did a donation to Food for the Poor Canada. Check them out. Food for the Poor Canada. They also have an American arm. Uh, they do work across the Caribbean and across the globe. And so I, I made a donation and you can purchase what they call gifts of hope. And so you can buy a fruit tree or a stack of books or a hundred pounds of rice or a beehive, or if you have even more money, uh, a pump, a water pump. Uh, but they start at say $15. And they go up to, I think you can buy a, a school for, I don't remember if it's 10000 or 100000 because I didn't buy one. <laughs> but they're, they're a charity we support. And then there's another one called Mustard Seed. And so the kids are all getting certificates explaining what they're getting so that, <laughs> what are you looking at, Brandon? We were also involved with Stepstones for Youth, oh, correct. Uh, sponsoring some of the um, teenagers and, and young adults in downtown Toronto, which was another great organization yeah, so that's one way that, you know, I'm not necessarily buying everybody the biggest presence or feeling pressure that what, what one thing that used to happen for me is, let's say I found something really cool for my mom, like a really beautiful coat. And then I had spent a whole ton of money on her. Cool. I really wanted to buy her that coat. But then I would feel, oh, well, I can't just give my dad a sweater. And then I'd find something. Actually, I bought my dad a coat a couple of years ago as well, a really fancy coat. And then my dad's getting that. And so then, you know, I, I love my stepdad. And then it just, it, you know, you feel you need to match. Yeah, you have to be equal with everybody, right? right? And that's, that's, so that's a conversation that you had in your head, right? 
right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know your family. So I don't know if like your mother would say, well, you spent this on him and only mm-hmm. this on, but that's something that you have to, you know, resolve in yourself, but also in relationships, communicating about your expectations for gifts for each other, because that, <laughs> that in itself can be a huge thing, right? If you, similarly, you're talking about your family, right? If, if you buy her a diamond necklace and, and she buys you, you know, a, a beer mug or a beer cup, right? A koozie. A, a koozie, even better, $4.99. <laughs> um, right? There may be, so there may be some imbalance in, in what's gone, but is that an issue? Or are you somebody who's, you know, a minimalist who, who doesn't really want gifts, right? Or, or you know, and you're somebody who really does enjoy the other? You know, talk about these things. Are there expectations for how much you're going to spend? Maybe even talk about how much is okay to spend. Let's not spend over $200 this year on each other, you know? It's not necessary. We buy each other gifts all year. Yeah. Um, um, and you don't have to match. That was a conversation I was having match, with myself yeah. that no one in my family was putting on me at all. Right. It was your own money conversation it, in your head. It totally was just on me. And and you don't have to match. You know, people have different financial means. Yes. And even many of us who are entrepreneurs, we have different means every year. Yes. The idea of, of not matching is a really interesting one. But also to have, you had mentioned, having that conversation with other people about their expectations. Because if I were to say to Jess... Are you okay with me not buying you a gift this year, or you know, I'm just going to get you this? Which I know you don't buy. Us, you don't buy me. We don't. Gift. We don't buy each yeah. other gifts over the holidays. But if I were to say to her, you know, are we? What are we doing for gifts, and how are you going to feel? Because I was thinking of getting my brother or my my sister or my parent this, but that person that you're having that conversation with, having them respond honestly, because how will you feel yeah. when somebody does buy? one person um, a lovely jacket and you do get that koozie or that mug you might be okay with it now but will you be okay on the spot when you open your mug and they get the jacket yeah be honest with yourself about you know and when you have that conversation make sure that you're being honest with yourself and your partner about you know and and what will that person spend on other people you bring up that you know like is it you know we're doing this for each other but what about what we you know for if, if we're sharing money or we you know are you know combining incomes in some way living together spending money together on bills you know do we have expectations and conversations about what we what we were going to spend on others that year and that's something that's important because you don't want to just assume even if money is is not an issue in your relationship still have the conversation right absolutely because just because something isn't an issue today doesn't mean it won't be in the future and when we think about gifts oftentimes I think most people it really is about thoughtfulness as opposed to financial value but some people are just better at giving gifts right I'm I don't think I'm very creative with gifts I'm good at being generous (laughs) but I'm not good at thinking of something that you mentioned one day while we were out and Brendan has a member of his staff who always buys us the most thoughtful gifts and I'm like she doesn't even know us that well how did I can't come up with this for Brandon and she can come up with this for Brandon so some people have that skill and some of us have to work a bit harder at it now when we think about money fighting with the family obviously there are other issues that come up over the holidays and so I'd love to just think about some approaches for couples and also families to have a more harmonious holiday season where can we begin today because we're, we're cutting it close yeah sure <laughs> well one of the things that you we were talking about earlier is that you know some people will regress in a way when they're with their family right things that may not have been um worked through or processed from when you were younger i mean even if it was only three years ago five years ago you know 25 years ago 
often do come up when you're with your family, right? It comes right back or something triggers it. Um, so make it, make it a point to acknowledge those things within yourself. Try to, you know, prepare yourself for, you know, what, what happens when this topic comes up, how will I handle it? Um, so for, you know, tangibles for that is, you know, Brandon mentioned earlier, taking a deep breath, right? So, you know, excusing yourself from the table and and going to kind of decompress a little bit, understand, make sure you're calm and you realize that this isn't, this is about the things that are triggering you. So, you know, your triggers, this is about you take responsibility for what it is in yourself that's having this come up as opposed to always wanting to point the finger at somebody in the family or, you know, somebody did something to you. And if somebody did something to you 10, 15, 20 years ago, should you be waiting for them to make amends or are there things you can do to get over this now? Let's say this person's still in your life. It's not necessarily, I'm not talking about abuse. I think that's a different conversation. Sure. But you know, they slighted you or they were disrespectful or they made fun of you or they, you know, picked on you, especially when they were young. Because yeah. this happens when we were kids, when we were teenagers. We've all said and done things that we're not particularly proud of. How do you, without rehashing the past, or should you rehash the past, how do you move on from that? I think there are a number of ways that that can happen. I mean, the first thing you have to realize is that just because you remember something that happened doesn't actually mean the other person does, right? The way it impacted you, you know, it might not have them. So they might not even remember having slighted you or said something. Maybe they didn't know it hurts you that badly, right? So I think within yourself, you have to figure out what, what that was about. And then you have two options, right? You can process it and work through it on your own and realize this was 25 years ago. Hopefully this person, you know, wouldn't do that today or, or you know, you wouldn't respond the way maybe you did back then. It might have impacted you then, but maybe if it happened today, it wouldn't impact you in that way and work on it in yourself. Or you have a choice of having a conversation with that person and letting them know, you know, again, using eye language and, and your feelings, how it felt back then and giving them the opportunity to either, either say, you know, that's crazy. I don't remember. And, but, or, or to really hear you and then have the opportunity to make amends in their own way, or at least make you feel heard. That eye language is really important because I feel like saying you did this, you made me feel this way, mm -hmm. as opposed to what I remember is this. I felt really crappy because of that. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is how I've been dealing with it is, is disarming. Because you're not saying, it's your fault. You're saying, this is what happened and this is how I felt. And I, I feel the need to, to bring, it, bring it up or at least to have somewhat of a discussion about it. And you haven't attacked the other person. And I, I'd like to think going into the holidays that this might make things a little bit easier because it can be very contentious. Well, here's another struggle. Let's say you only really see your family around the holidays and you have this issue or this thing that you conceive to be a burden, you've been carrying it around, do you even want to bring it up around the holidays because you only see them a couple of times a year? So that, and that's a great point. However, I think this goes back to like, it's important to feel connected and we can't feel fully connected and vulnerable and present with, with somebody who we are holding something against. So if you can process it and get past it in on your own terms and in your own way before you're with your family, then you're right. Maybe you don't bring it up and you just let this be an enjoyable time. But if it's something that you are holding on to, right, that is impacting you, then being able to communicate about it could make those holidays and that relationship and connection so much stronger and, and 
more enjoyable. Um, so you you know, it just depends how you're able to kind of work on work through it. You know, I also appreciate. I feel as though that's a reminder to me that we don't need to idealize the holidays, right? It's not this spectacular time of year where everything has to go perfectly. It's a nice time of year because most of us get a little bit of a break from work. Not everybody does. I acknowledge that. And you get to eat and drink and perhaps be merry, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And sometimes the tough conversations are the ones that lead to feeling closer. Yes, but just because you want to address something doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to turn out the way that you're hoping that it does. Mm -hmm. I've been in situations where I have tried to bring something to light to have um, an effective, constructive conversation. And frankly, it's backfired on me. So I think, would, do you suggest that you also think about the ways that this could play out? Because I think we tend to assume that things are going to work out very positively and there is the chance that it doesn't. And if it doesn't, are you prepared for, I guess, the unfolding of events as a result of things not working out well? So I almost feel like this this is a um, sort of a general conversation about expectations, which I think we've really been talking about a lot of the time that we've been we've been talking and that so don't have expectations of how this has to go or can go, right? You're not doing this for the other person to realize how they wronged you, for example, or something that's come up. You're doing it to feel better and to be able to feel heard. That doesn't mean you will. You don't know that they're in that same place. So that's a good point. Don't have expectations about you know, what your partner's gonna gonna get for you or not, talk about it, right? Don't have expectations for, you know, how the holidays are going to be this grand and perfect time of the year because they're likely not going to be, right? And that's okay. We don't need to be have it be perfect. But make sure that you're acknowledging expectations yourself and having the conversation with those that you can. So what Dr. Needle is saying is set the bar low. <laughs> set it nice and low. Expectations. <laughs> I, so not having expectations. Okay. So hopefully it didn't come out exactly like I'm that. Just no. I'm just um, kidding. Having expectations isn't setting the bar low. It's just acknowledging that you can't control how something goes. You can control how you think about it. You can control your response to it, right? but not how it goes. So try not to, if you have this expectation of this is how it's going to turn out, most of the time you're going to get disappointed or hurt, right? You don't want that. So communicate if you do have, you want something to be a certain way and just realize that, you know, any step closer to, to where you want to be communicating, getting this off your chest, letting you know, letting them at least hear for the first time, even if they can't fully, you know, take it in is a step in the right direction. And, and I think the bottom line is you have to do the work. You yes. are the one that gets to change how you think, adjust how you behave, and that will affect how you feel. Yes. So you cannot expect that they are going to respond with the love, with the support, with expressions of regret, with you know expressions. It's not going to be an act of contrition where they're going to say, yes, look what I've done wrong. Um, and if you can also acknowledge something you did to contribute to this situation or this memory or this experience, I think that is the most disarming thing. So I felt this way when this happened. I acknowledge that I also played a role in this and I regret it or I apologize. If you can, be, it's amazing how if you apologize, how you'll probably get the apology you're looking for. Not from everybody. Listen, sure. I know people are going to say, oh, well, my mother-in-law or my sister or my brother is super unreasonable. Yes, we know they're not they're not all the same, but you are far more likely to get that expression of vulnerability if you show it first. For sure. 
I, I you're preaching to the choir. I, t- I, I totally agree. We're Canadian. We always say sorry. I, first. That's the first thing I say. I'm sorry. We're I'm not sorry. sure if we mean it, but we say it. So if we think about going into the holidays and we think about couples, for example, so if we're going to my family and I know I have certain triggers, obviously I can tell Brandon what those are. If, if there's an uncle who sets me off, if there's an aunt who's always bothering me about having children, I can let him know in advance, very specific. not naming names, <laughs> but I can let him know, here's how you can support me. I want you to stand by yes. me. I want you to hold my hand, or I want you to say something to her because not everybody wants their partner to speak on their behalf. Me, I love when Brandon speaks on my behalf. Do you want me to drop like some F-bombs and stuff? Yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> Fucking auntie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, for me, I do like when Brandon stands up because he's he's been a fixture in the family for almost 19 years. People really like and know and respect him. It's not his first time meeting them. Right. So I think you had mentioned before we started that it's important to tell your partner what here's what support looks like to me because what I want from Brandon may not be what he wants from me. So for example, in his family, I don't think my standing up for him would be as effective. I think that, sorry, I'm the Chinese Jamaican girl from the city that they see as queer or however they see me. And so they don't have the same, I think, I don't want to say respect, but they don't want to hear from me as much as perhaps my family might be open to hearing from you. And that, I'm not talking about your whole family. I'm talking about, you know, specific people. Now I regret saying this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need to regret saying it. I think people, but I think people um, look at this relationship that we've been in for almost two decades and assume that your um you know, us being together has kind of morphed me into something different from what I actually was. When in reality, I think that this relationship has provided me with the confidence and the ability to feel comfortable speaking my mind and standing up for what I believe in when the situation presents itself. And that just means that I'm more vocal with what I think and comfortable saying how I really feel understanding how that's going to impact the relationships that I have with certain people. And that extends to friends and family. Like I've lost friends as a result of my beliefs and what I stand for. I've lost clients. And I'm sure that if I really dig deep, I've probably lost some family ties as a result of it. And I think I've had to learn. You've let go of some family ties. Yes, I'm sorry. I've had to let go. But I think that I've had to come to terms with that. And I'm still coming to terms with it because it's not static. It's something that changes over time. But for me, the holidays are a time where there's just a lot of family get together. And as you had said before, there are things that may have existed 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago that have the opportunity to come back up or that are unresolved. So again, going in and really thinking about how they might come up, thinking about how I'm going to respond or if I'm going to invest the energy in responding, or even Justice said to me lately, I'm sorry, do you want to? Like, if it's important to you, engage. If it's not, let it go. Or go in and just have a good time, right? I'm not saying somebody says something offensive. I just mean, don't bring it up if you don't need to, or if you don't want to. And that's a choice that I've made where I'm like, you know, I'm just going to have a good time today. I'm not going to go in with my fists up, ready to get into an argument. I'm going to go in and say... This is on me to fix or let go for, for my part of it. And today I'm not going to do that. Today I'm just going to go in and I'm going to be easy breezy. How do you get to that though, Brandon? Because you're, you're like the success story. 
<laughs> where it's like, well, now I've let things go. No. Now I've worked out my money issues. Now I don't. But how did you get to that? Because I, <laughs> I do notice that with your family, you, you've become a lot more relaxed. Whereas before, I do think you were, I don't want to say combative, but prepared to be combative. Just for the record, I don't feel like I've gotten over anything. I feel <laughs> like I'm constantly working on things. I only feel like I've started to scrape the surface of being able to really identify how I feel when it comes to topics like money and, you know, my relationship with, with you, Jess, my relationship with friends and family, and it's dynamic. Even as we're having this conversation here right now, I'm thinking about, okay, this is great. How am I going to take a moment before we go into, you know, this party with my friends or this family function and... How am I going to deal with this in advance? How am I going to mentally prepare myself for this um, for this party? And I don't mean in a bad way. I yeah, just, you know. I was thinking there's the flip side. Who do you love in this room? Who do you love spending time with? Because this is a flaw of mine where there can be 20 people in a room and 19 of them are fabulous. And if one is even a little bit rude to me, I get hung up on it. And so I have to remind myself the law of numbers and say 19 out of 20, but just that's pretty damn good. And I wonder if depending on like what you brought up, like the mood you're in or how you're feeling that day, like, am I going to be combative today? Am I just going to kind of let it go? Like makes a difference, right? In that time where you've had this fabulous day, lots of great things have happened. You're in a, a wonderful mindset and space, you know, perhaps in that day, you won't even notice the one, right? So it, it's about kind of where you are in that moment and what you allow yourself to do. So the minute you notice that that one is is changing your mood and changing that time, Again, take a step back and figure out what's going on with you and how can you focus on these 19 other fabulous people. Um, And that's sometimes really hard depending on how much that one is triggering something in you or what your history with that one is or what your, you know, history with somebody who's like that one is. That's a great point that oftentimes we're not even upset at that person. It's that person reminds us of something Mm -hmm. either in somebody else we've had to deal with or even within ourselves. Absolutely. Right? Usually when we're mad at other people, we're sort of mad at ourselves. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that projection, but also, you know, and I go back to the 90-10 rule, right? Like 90% of, of what bothers you about other somebody else, about triggers you is about you, and 10% is really about them. So what is it in you that's making me feel you know, angry or sad or, or jealous, or, you know, I have to figure that out. What is it, what's really going on and what's triggering me and my past, you know? Well, and that list of emotions is so useful. So we had Karen BK Chan on the podcast and they had recommended keeping it on your fridge, this list of feelings. And I've said, of course you can Google it and just look at your phone because it's so easy to feel angry. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's even easy to feel sad and frustrated, but there are a wide range of emotions that we're probably not acknowledging, you know, especially when we think about feeling inadequate or feeling lonely or feeling as though we're coming up short or feeling jealous or feeling insecure. And those are emotions that can be really challenging, but also really helpful if you actually decide to acknowledge them. So look at, so I challenge people right before the holidays to take a look at that list of emotions so that you acknowledge that your full human spectrum of feelings. I think that can be really helpful when you're moving into situations that might be stressful. Now, some of you probably just have no stress in your holidays, and that's awesome too, right? I mean, I I would say I'm fairly lucky, partly because I I pick and choose. So we have a massive family, just nonstop everywhere you go, there's family. And my mom has always said, you can pick, choose, and refuse. Maybe that's not nice. I don't know. But, you know, (laughs) I choose how I spend my time. That doesn't mean I don't see people 
but I invest my time a little bit differently and I'm lucky in that respect that I can. So before we let you go, because you are a certified sex therapist and you train and certify the sex therapist, I think we should talk about sex. Uh, you want to talk I'm in. About, yeah, you, you want to talk about the sex? <laughs> Once again, we're getting into this open book element here, so hit Bra- me. Brandon's, hit me. Brandon's looking at me like like I'm going to say, I wasn't going to say anything about you. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> He's baiting me. No, I mean, the holidays, because they're a stressful time, because there is sometimes additional domestic labor, because there's additional financial pressure, because, as you said, you can be triggered by feelings and thoughts from childhood if you're visiting the people with whom you spent your childhood sex is sometimes the last thing on our minds and when we don't have sex sometimes we also stop being affectionate we stop expressing intimacy in other ways so how the hell do you prioritize sex over the holidays um same way you do not over the holidays right you make it a priority whether it's you know together or even in your own head so you have to make a conscious effort to do that so if you notice that you're pulling back a little bit because all these other things are are coming up be more conscious of it and be more intentional in what you're doing. Um, if you need to plan it, plan it. A lot of people say, oh, well, that doesn't make it fun and it can't be spontaneous. But the truth is that can make it even more fun. You know, I mean, you can like do things leading up to it to make it super sexy and hot. I mean, and and it can still be spontaneous in that way. You can even plan in your own head. I tell people, um, you know, you know, set your alarm for 10 minutes before you're going to how much more time you have, you know, 10 minutes, set your alarm for 10 minutes before your partner doesn't even know you're having that you're doing that. Or you can tell your partner that you're doing that and have some fun in the morning and make sure that you're connecting sexually and um, engaging in sexual activity, being affectionate, touching, um, because it does lead to, you know, relationship satisfaction and improves overall quality of life. Or, Or you can do what Brandon did yesterday. Oh, what is that? Please remind me of what I I did because I remember the outcome. So we are down in uh, in Florida right now and we're with family and we're in a loft where there are no doors, proper doors on the bedrooms. And so I think we're with my mom. It's my mom's birthday. So my mom and my stepdad went out and none of my cousins were here and I'm cooking. We had 10 minutes alone. Make sure you check my pictures of my cake and my and my pie but I, so I'm cooking in the kitchen he's like do you want to do it because we have no time <laughs> it was sexy talk I was like so we got 10 minutes we should probably go do this you know what I mean and honestly it's not the hottest thing ever but I'm like yeah man I, I feel like doing that I may not feel like it right this second but as soon as our bodies touch as soon as of we course. get naked we can get ourselves in the mood so the bottom line is we were not well I wasn't in the mood were you in the mood I don't think I was particularly in the mood, but honestly, I thought we have an opportunity. We are not alone very much. I mean, whether we are at home or we're traveling, I find that we're we're, we're never alone. I mean, December 25th, we're going to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it was something, yeah, I did. I recognize that this was an opportunity and listen, if it resulted in sex, great. If it didn't, then that's okay too, because we would have taken an opportunity to try and connect. But it did. And it did. Boom. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Yeah. So, so you prioritized it. You were, you were thinking about it. You're like, okay, this is our opportunity. I want to connect. And as Jess said, you didn't start hornier in the mood, right? But oftentimes through arousal, desire will come too. Yeah. And, and for me, we've talked about this before where I need to be relaxed. And when you're constantly, like we were working yesterday, you were prepping food. We had a bunch of people coming over Um, for a party that night, I wasn't particularly relaxed, but I knew that if I didn't make an effort to be, 
that there was absolutely no chance. So you know what? I rolled the dice and it worked out. But you're right. It doesn't sound sexy when you think, let's schedule time. But again, that's just a negative perspective on it where you could say, let's make like let's make it a game. Like, ooh, we got 30 minutes until or 10 minutes until. Let me tell you how sexy it was. I went and latched the door because the, the other people have keys to this condo, including all my cousins. I messaged my cousin because he wanted to come down for some bacon and said, no, I'm on a conference call for 20 minutes. So it was very sexy foreplay. She was very <laughs> generous with the 20 minutes. But this is about perspective too, right? Because you say this isn't sexy. To me, that sounds sexy, right? Because my partner knows this is my only chance to touch me and to, and to, to be sexual with me. And I, and, and, he wants to do that. And so to me, that is sexy. Like yeah. he's thinking about, you know, when can I be with her next? Yeah. And here's a time opportunity and we're going to do it. So yeah. it's about perspective too. Right. Yeah. You and know? it's not always going to be tearing clothes off, yeah. you know, in the heat of the throes of passion and unrealistic. And let me be clear. You don't have to have sex over the holidays if you don't want to, but if it is something you value, if it's a way you express connection and intimacy because i know that everybody you know speaks those languages differently then you just sometimes i don't want to say force yourself but consider doing it even if you're not in the mood yet get yourself in the mood and then as you said the desire follows and even yesterday when we did get together like it doesn't always it didn't immediately we weren't tearing each other's clothes off like things kind of started in the right direction and then kind and then of, I started pouting yeah and yeah I mean I wouldn't have used that word but yes no he and said something that, that that didn't feel good for not didn't feel good but that just turned kind me of off killed the vibe yeah and then yeah. I started pouting and then she started pouting so it was like a bit of a, a roller coaster it was like yes 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 no and then yes yes yes, yes. you know what I mean and that's not uncommon either right I mean listen that'll happen if you let that throw you off and be like oh forget it right which a lot of people will like you're gonna you're not gonna be as happy because let's be honest we're more we're happier when we're like you know getting off yeah um, well that's but, the other thing maybe people should just go masturbate before a family event <laughs> just, if you want a more harmonious definitely leads to relaxation lowers your, your blood pressure yeah. I mean after you know it like raises it then lowers it um, you'll be more relaxed absolutely but you know you you said you don't have to have sex absolutely but you know engage in some sort of physical touch it's good for us and it makes us feel connected that's even like even if you're just kissing you know that's something that we don't do as often the you know the throughout the duration of our relationship, you know, the longer our relationship is. So make sure that you're engaging in some deep kissing or just rub each other's arms or do something. I like that self-love. I've got, we've got people coming over. I got to go twist off some knuckle kids. <laughs> I got to go take care of business. Where's Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> He's breathing heavy in the shower. He's in the bathroom again. His family must become, his friends are coming over. <laughs> so on that note, uh, I know we're coming up on the holidays. We're already in the in the thick of things. So I wish everybody a really happy holiday season, however you celebrate, if you celebrate. And remind you, so I'll, I'll say what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to think of what triggers me so that I can be more prepared for it. And I want. I think I'm also going to clarify, I think Brandon, you know, but maybe we can revisit it, what I want you to do if this, if one of these things happens, if one of these lines is said, let's be clear, I'm not going in assuming that there's going to be a battle because I'm kind of lucky where there's, there's not too much stress in my family. Um, definitely not directed toward me. I'm kind of lucky. It's mostly just the I don't have kids thing <laughs> and I'm too busy and I'm always traveling. So, it's, but those things are things that I'm also proud of 
so it doesn't cut as hard at me now that I'm a little bit older. But uh, I'm going to revisit and just tell you what it is I need from you, which is to speak for me. <laughs> I love this. I thought this was really helpful. Dr. Needle has given me permission to touch myself before <laughs> I <laughs> get in a stressful situation. No, I like the idea of, of thinking about what triggers you and also expectations. I think expectations of what you hope to achieve out of having those deep conversations or at least bringing things to light with other people so that you're not disappointed when it doesn't play out exactly how you want it to. Yeah. Do you want to share anything you want to do? Um, so yeah, so for me, I, I like to kind of pay attention and, and be conscious of what I think could trigger me when I'm going into a family situation with, you know, myself, my friends, my partners, you know, um, so be conscious of what might trigger me and be prepared for it so that I don't react. You know, we'd rather, I'd rather be prepared and calm and conscious than responsive or reactive. Um, so that's really important to me. So um, thank you for having me though. And I do hope people you know, go to my website. I have a drrachel.com website. And um, if you're interested in being trained as a certified sex educator, counselor, therapist, www.modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll be again with Modern Sex Therapy Institute. So if folks are working in the sexuality field, definitely check out our training in South Florida in March and our training for professionals in New York City in May. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you for having me. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to everyone. Happy holidays from Desire Resorts and Cruises check them out at Desire Experience. Folks, I really hope you have a great one. I hope that it's relaxing. I hope that you surround yourself with at least one person who makes you feel great about yourself. Have a great one. And we'll be back with one more before the end of the year. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.